Well, hi everyone. This thank you for coming to our first uh, podcast for Jewu Pastry Arts Club. We're so excited to get started. Um, with us, we have two of our advisors. We have Chef Legal and Chef Matheny. Yay! Hi. <laughs> you want to say hi? Hi. <laughs> hi. So we, <laughs> so we kind of just wanted to start off like our first podcast to try and just maybe get to know like our advisors because I think hopefully once we start in person events, you guys will be there um, in person, and we just want all of our members to get to know you and who you are. So we had some questions i think from one of our last events that haven't gotten asked yet and some of them are very interesting and i think you'll like them um but first we can start maybe um let's see did you uh this can be for both of you did you guys always know you wanted to teach after working in the industry you go first chef Matheny. <laughs> Um, no, <laughs> not even a little bit, because to be completely honest, I didn't know I was going to go into the pastry industry to begin with. So um, I didn't pretend to know anything about where I was going to end up, but I just always made the next best choice. So going through my art degree and graduating, I was either going to go to um, Pilcher Glass School and hopefully teach neon work in glass. Um, I was looking at a job at Razorfish for digital graphic design. And, um, and then there was the wild card of, do I want to go back to school and do something else? And for some weird reason, pastry arts and food and art um, became my draw and I decided to get another degree. So that's kind of how I let get, like went into pastry in the first place. So for teaching, not even a little bit because pastry itself was shocking. What well, what made you go into pastry? Because you have a background in um in like the arts, like you said. The, um, I think it was more of the ephemera aspect of pastry, where it's definitely not the product, but the process that you learn from. And I loved the types of arts that didn't end up cluttering your shelves or, um, you know, your basements or your parents' basements and shelves. It was um, just the process of it and the fact that there was this other dimension to food and art where it was consumed um, it just really was a whole different level in the art world because you can see, you can feel, you can smell, but you didn't taste art. That just wasn't a thing in art school. So the fact that you could make something beautiful technically skilled and then that whole science and chemistry aspect of pastry and then being able to experience it with all of your senses was kind of this whole other realm for me so that's really why I went into pastry was a fine arts um view of pastry oh yeah well I certainly yeah that certainly makes sense um I'm sure eating it is a great <laughs> great experience <after> of, uh, experience <laughs> Chef Legal, what about you? Um, I I didn't really think about pastry as an art at all. I mean, I guess it is, and and it and that intrigues me a lot. But I never thought I would be a teacher. Um, but I did. It's kind of a funny story. So when I started um, school at Johnson and Wales, when I was a freshman, I remember having to write one of those papers that everyone's very familiar with, the about me paper that has to, and then at the very end, the last question is always like, where do you see yourself in the future? And I remember writing, oh, like, you know, I wanna do cruise ships or I wanna work here or there. And then I remember the last like sentence too, I was like, and then maybe like when I'm done with all of that, I'll come back and teach. And I wrote that I didn't really wanna teach. There was really no reason for me to do it. I just figured everyone else does. So that made sense because I remember hearing from all of my other instructors that they were, uh, Johnson Wells grads that had come back eventually. So I think it's kind of ironic because I just sort of threw that in the paper, like, because everyone else does it. And, uh, and then as I was 
you know, making my way through the industry, I found that one of my most favorite parts of working every day was teaching the new employees how to, um, you know, get on with the hotel or the, you know, whatever position I was training for. And I became the department trainer at the Ritz-Carlton really quickly after I started working there. So um, that part was really fun for me. And then I was just like, oh, like, maybe I would be really good at this. And I remember a couple of my trainees, you know, who were coming out of their own culinary education background, um, you know, probably not as far as a, pa a bachelor's degree like I had, but they, I remember them, you know, messing things up and, and asking a lot of questions all of the time. And I would always just answer them or help them or whatever. And, and I remember one girl saying, wow, you have an inordinate amount of patience. It's ridiculous how much patience you have. She's like, I've screwed this up at least eight times. And you're still like, that's no problem. We'll fix it. And I'm like, yeah, I guess. I don't know. And so I just guess I thought about that a lot. And I thought about what I really love to do in pastry. And I think one of the best parts is just helping other people figure it out. So, so that's where I ended you, up. You definitely helped me figure out many things. <laughs> uh, so you, you guys are teaching labs right now? Yes. How are those going? I know it's got to be a lot different with COVID. Um, and in semester model. Yeah, is yeah more I feel so like yeah. COVID is nothing compared to semesters. <laughs> that's that's like, a great comment. It's very, it's very interesting. <laughs> I mean, COVID is its own little animal that we have to deal with. But I do feel like, you know, aside from masking up and washing our hands a lot, um, the social distancing aspect is, is interesting. It's kind of tricky. It, 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 it creates some barriers to like tasting and really getting right in there with your students sometimes. But really, I feel like that's not as hard as just really learning a whole new set of skills. And I don't want to say that, you know, I'm learning a whole new set of skills, but like teaching a brand new curriculum that's never been run before, that is completely different than the last 10 years of my life is very very like challenging and I and I'm a pretty good adapter I usually can just kind of I don't get upset with change so I can only imagine that there are just as many people out there any instructors that are having even a, a harder struggle because besides the newness of it and COVID they've also been doing the nine day drill for much longer than I have so I can only imagine that it's really stressful for all of us and I I hope, and I don't know, maybe like Maggie could, could say, you know, I hope it doesn't translate too much into the classroom. Like, I hope that it still looks like we know what we're doing because we do, but it's just very different. Yeah, no, I mean, I feel like you've definitely done a great job adapting to it, but I think it's just a learning curve for everyone, especially even the students, like having to get used to having labs every other day now, instead of having them every day has definitely been a big adjustment for me and something that I'll have to get used to but it's also you know a good exercise in adapting to new situations and stuff so hopefully it'll be good but yeah I mean I think our class is going pretty good so far so we'll see yeah, it's 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 been a huge challenge I know for and I mean what's what I have to admit what's even crazier about it is forget about teaching a class that's never been taught which you know I'm surviving because of Chef Legal in my current classes uh but talk about teaching something that is way out of your wheelhouse, like your comfort zone, going back to teaching plated dessert that I haven't done since the Ritz or, you know, cakes that I was helping with at the Ritz Carlton for like mass parties. But, you know, something that we haven't done in a really long time. It's like drudging up all of these old skills that we had. And what's really cool about that, I have to admit grudgingly, is that um, you're pulling all these old skills up and with all the knowledge you have gained since you did them last, it's pretty interesting to see how it comes out again. Because I can say that my um, cakes don't look anything like <laughs> what they used to um, because of all the techniques and skills that I've done since then. So it's kind of wild to see what we're producing in our new classes too. You mentioned like new classes, like being taught, like for the first time, I'm not on campus. So I'm not really in the loop of all these classes. Um, what, so are there new, are there new classes added to the baking and pastry, um, labs? Sorry, cat, cat alert. Um, <laughs> yes, there are. I mean, basically for the, uh, associate's degree, 
um, the pastry associates degree, all of the classes are brand new. Um, they, they, of course, you know, they still um, encompass a lot of the old classes just because those techniques are still valid. Those topics are still valid. Um, you know, chocolates, uh, sugars, cake decorating, uh, you know, plated desserts and all that. But because we are swapped over to semesters, we figured one of the best things we could do was just also revamp our curriculum based on trends in the industry and what we thought was most important because it had been a while since the associate's degree had been you know looked at and said well what is really necessary what's most important for students to learn so because of that our classes are indeed um somewhat new uh with the bachelor's degree they're a little bit less new they will eventually get revamped we're just not there yet so a lot of the bachelor's degree classes are similar to where they were before they're just longer or shorter depending on how they got kind of combined together okay yeah because i heard um that some classes will be combined like um pies and tarts um, and I believe one other class, I'm not sure, or like, um, the sugars class won't be as, um, prominent. Right. Uh, yeah. That one was, um, put into the chocolate and confections course. So it's a little bit more, you know, basic level because there's only so much time, but I have to admit that I really do feel very strongly that the associate's degree that was developed and the classes that are indeed happening right now are truly the most important things that someone with an associate's degree needs to learn to go out in the industry and be successful. Um, I can tell you in all honesty, when I, and I mean, this was a long time ago too, and, and I think things have sort of um, even trended away from showpieces and, and that type of artistry, which by all means is very valid, but I think it's, it's useful in a different way now. So I can honestly say that I think students will be more well-equipped to take on the role that they will get, right? So if you're graduating with an associate's degree or a bachelor's degree, you're gonna go into, you know, maybe a little more than an entry level job, but you'll still be, you're not gonna be expected to bust out a sugar showpiece the next day, right? You're gonna need to know the basics of cooking sugar. You're gonna need to know how to work with it, but it's unlikely that without proper supervision and a lot of coaching on your your you know boss's part that you're going to be required to pull that out of your hat. Whereas, should you need to temper chocolate? Should you need to be able to make good bread? Should you need to be able to you know make a birthday cake or even a wedding cake? I think those are a little bit more feasible opportunities for someone with a just with an associate's degree. Bachelor's degree is a different story. And, uh, and I think the classes will and do and will reflect that. Um, I have a student that's actually, it's funny you said that because it perked right into my memory. There's a student graduating from the bachelor's degree who's going on an internship with um, a colleague of mine in the industry. And he outlined what the internship was going to be to him. And the last thing he has to do is he has to create a new menu item and do a tasting for it with the executive chef and the executive pastry chef and he has to design and create a showpiece for the very end of his internship um, before they will consider offering him a permanent job there with the company and it's funny that you said that because i agree with you a hundred percent so i was pretty impressed with the um, internship that this company has set up for our bachelor pastry graduate and I don't think they're setting up the same internship for the associate levels that are coming in for them. But if it's a bachelor level and someone who's thinking about, you know, joining the team permanently, it's a more aggressive program that they put them through, ending with, you know, a new tasting menu um, item and getting it approved through all of the departments. They even spend some time on the hotline to learn like garmage and food as part of the pastry internship there because they want to marry all the departments together. So I think that, um, just like you said, you need to have that exposure, um, in the associates level, but there's a higher expectation for a bachelor student coming from Johnson and Wales and what they'll be able to do. Yeah, it's pretty amazing <laughs> that a job is actually outlining an internship program. That's just it's awesome. Pretty you know, impressive. Well, yeah. It's of like, it's Oh, an extra set of hands. What do we do with you? <laughs> Scoop cookies. <laughs> Six months of cookies. Yeah, going I know. Off the, 
Oh, sorry, Maggie, you want to go? Um, I was just saying, being in senior labs, you know, we started off the semester with the chocolates and sugars, which I really enjoyed. And, you know, you definitely dive a lot deeper into the structural elements of building the showpieces and stuff, which I like. But now that we're in Petit Gateau's and Buffet, I've really enjoyed getting back into production because you, you're not going to be making the sugar showpieces or the chocolate showpieces every day. So it's nice to kind of get a better glimpse of what it really will be like in the industry and producing things every day and not having to wait like three weeks before we can finally finish a product. Well, so. There's there's a lot of jobs where you'll be producing a lot of showpieces, but you won't just make like, you won't have one that you'll have whatever, 11, right. 12 days to work on. It's really yeah. like three days or else you're going to be doing hundreds of little tiny amenity showpieces for New Year's Eve or for a wedding or for a company that's coming to visit. Um, uh, especially in Vegas, like that's an everyday thing with them. They have a bazillion custom pieces that go out for these big company parties and uh, corporate functions, but you'd get really comfortable. They just have to be a lot faster and a lot tighter mass production. So like you're going to be making cigarettes, but you're going to be making 4,000 of them and they're going to be perfect. Oh gosh, I haven't done any of that in so long, but <laughs> going off the internships, um, like, did you have, and do you have any advice for maybe um, either those in the associates or bachelors, like looking for an internship, like what would you think they should look for in a company when deciding who to go to? These days, <laughs> someone who will pay them. <laughs> nice. um, I Tough. I think they need to know where they want to start. I think, unfortunately, too many students think of where they want to end up. And I have to say that that's going to change a great deal once they go into the industry. Um, I would say 99% of all my freshman advisees, when I ask them where they want to be in like 10 years, they all say they want to own their own company or own their own business. And it's this fairy tale um, kind of concept to get them you know, through the labs and through school. But I think you have to have some kind of concept of at least where your first step should be because going into a small pastry shop versus, um, you know, a hotel in Vegas versus a chain hotel like Ritz or Marriott that can send you all over the world and stay in the same company or the same 401k and the benefits and everything without having to, you know, reapply to a new company um, or an R&D job. They want to work development for a big company that like King Arthur or something like that. I think you do, they just have to narrow it down to where they want their first step to be. And then you can kind of go from there. So you want a pastry shop, you want a restaurant, you want to work for a chocolatier, you want to work for, you know, a, a large company and um, then go from there. I think definitely ask the people, you know, first, because it's a very small pastry world. And I know just between me and Chef Legal, we could tell you, you know, 50 people not to work for. And um, and then like, you know, the small handful that will support you and guide you and help you learn rather than make you a cog or a gear and in a larger system that can just be replaced, you know, at any time. Yeah, I think that's really good. I remember uh, when I had you for pies and tarts, you told, you know, you told me just keep your mind open because I remember so like I really wanted to work at Disney, but you said, <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> keep, keep your mind open. Um, but yeah, I do. Yeah, I do remember that. And that's really good advice um, to have. So let's see. I'm looking at our list of questions. Uh, let's see. What was your favorite project or event you've worked on in past jobs? Um, <laughs> I don't know. It's hard to say there was one specific thing, but I always just love the holiday season. Um, I mean, I love it and I hated it. You know, it was like a love-hate relationship with, with anything that happened between Thanksgiving and New Year's um, because it was like so fun. So, I mean, it kind of brought out the kid in me. Like when I think about what, you know, students often want to do for their buffets and their ideas, they're very, they're very specific. They're very like themed. They're very like, I want to do this showpiece and I want, I want it to look exactly like this, or I want to do this buffet theme and it's going to be exactly this. And I think Christmas is a great time to be able to do that type of work. Um, everything is very 
and like merry and like fun. And especially, I mean, I worked in a lot of business hotels, so not everything could be fun and cute and whimsical, but around the holiday season, it could be. Um, so there was like that aspect, which I always enjoyed. There was just the straight on crazy, busy season, you know, okay, we have a thousand people for tea this week. Okay. We have, you know, 600 kids coming in for teddy bear tea, you know, like all of those kind of insane, <laughs> oh, teddy bear insane, tea. like situations and then throw in a few weddings and a couple really great New Year's Eve parties. And, you know, the work was hard. It was, it, and it wasn't hard, like technically hard, but it was hard because you were there all the time, just doing a lot. The prep list was always a mile long and you never felt like you were going to come out of it, but I felt like it, it brought out the best in my team because we made the best of it. You know, we didn't complain and we didn't like gripe. We got together and we worked really hard and we made the job happen. And in addition, we got to do a lot of fun things, gingerbread houses and, you know, um, Christmas showpieces and, you know, Thanksgiving buffets, and New Year's Eve uh, amenities, you know, all of that sort of more fun things that you get to do just because it's the holiday season and people are willing to spend a little more money and, uh, you know, they're out for a good time. So it, I just love that part of the, the hotel industry. And I always um, feel like I miss it a little bit around this time of years because, you know, school sort of ends and I'm like, I'm going to bake. <laughs> you know? So it's funny. You, you're totally making me flashback talking about that. I remember, you know, you'd leave at two o'clock in the morning from service and then I'd be back at seven o'clock in the morning the next day. Um, or like five hours later to, to start Thanksgiving, whether it was Thanksgiving or, or Christmas Eve, I can't even remember. Um, but I remember leaving with the executive banquet chef and then walking back in with him like five hours like, later. How's it going? And it's like we went home and, and showered and blacked out for a few hours and then like came back in. And, or um, slept in the lounge. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, <laughs> luckily we, I was close enough that we could do that. But I remember a friend of mine going to the bathroom and falling asleep when she sat down on the toilet <laughs> up against the wall in the stall and we couldn't find her. And she had to be in the plate up and everyone's freaking out, wondering where she is. Like, and she literally fell asleep in the bathroom. <laughs> And like came running out completely disheveled and like all dizzy. Didn't she woke up and didn't know where she was? She's in the bathroom. Um, and everyone just yeah, we we're all panicked and worried. We didn't know where she was. But I just it is a complete blur. You're right. I remember that. And it was never my favorite, but it was definitely there was no other choice. It's just the way it was. Yeah. I mean, and I definitely just... didn't always love every moment, but I think nah. like, looking back on it, it's like where I developed my team, like where my <laughs> yeah. team of of cooks and pastry cooks like we really like I would say bonded and sort of like a teamwork thing because we were just all there like dragging sometimes um a little bit giddy with no sleep and too much caffeine and absolutely know, listening to Christmas music at three in the morning while we glue the gingerbread house together mm -hmm. again because you know it needs to be up for or somebody poked month, at it Some you know kid tried someone to poked it. at it yeah. exactly that kind of thing so it's just fun I I have to say the holidays definitely, I, and it's funny because all these things flashed in my mind when you asked that question, like charity events that I loved being a part of and celebrities that would come to, you know, our shop and work with us for these holiday events to make it star worthy and make people buy tickets. And, and then I was like competitions though, you know, like that were like painful and horrible when we were going through them, but so amazing when it was over and in retrospect and then all the, you know, notoriety that comes with the competitions. But I actually thought like my favorite time that I loved geeking out on was when we slowed down and I was able to just design um, the chocolate lines for the companies, for my company, um, show pieces, new decor, like all the stuff that I got to design, I could just put on earphones and that's all I would do all day was like experiment with different techniques, with different colors, with different flavors, with different everything. And it was like being back in art school and it was probably my favorite part was the research and development aspect of my job um for the last i would say like for the 10 years before i came to johnson and wales that was kind of my favorite part because it was at my own pace and we weren't delirious and <laughs> crazy and running through and filling up like 10 fedex trucks with product and 
lines wrapped around for, you know, 12 hours. It was crazy. It was fun to get through that. But um, I think my favorite was when I could be in my own element and just start experimenting and creating again. Wow, that sounds like a lot of fun. (laughs) Uh, Let's see. Do you have any advice for those not sure what to do after college? Uh, we can start with get, get a job, job. <laughs> get, get a job somewhere. I think you just have to start somewhere. I think that people are. I mean, it is it is a different market now. I mean, definitely with jobs are a little bit less. Um, you know, just out there for everybody. But I think it's just important to choose something, and and know that it might not be your perfect fit, and that you might fall in love with it and you might not. But either way you're going to try it and you're going to give it, give it a go, you know, do it with a a positive attitude. And if, if it's not for you, don't hold back. Just, it's not for you. It's not for you, but you do have to give things a shot. You do have to give them time. No job is fantastic right from the first day, except for Johnson Wells. No job is fantastic at first. There are growing pains and you will experience them. You know, you're not going to, love exactly what you're doing at the moment you're not going to love who you work for at the moment you're not going to love who you with who you work with at the moment but you have to give it that fair shot and um kind of try it before you can eliminate it so start somewhere you know just find somewhere you want to be yeah i 100 percent agree just get a job (laughs) and and you feel it out from there you really do and I always just, anytime I hit a crossroad, I would choose the thing I was more excited about and the more I was more passionate about every time. And if that happened to be my existing job, then I stayed. I was more excited about what I was doing. And I, I literally did that my whole career is anytime a crossroad came up and I was very transparent. And I think that's important too. And I know it's not always going to be well accepted by your boss, but I was fortunate enough to have some pretty strong and amazing role models in my career. And I was able to go to them and say, Hey, I have this other great opportunity. What do you think? You know? And of course their first thing would be like, well, we want you to stay here, but you know, talk to me about it. What is it about it? That's appealing. And they would actually let me talk to them about it. And if it was something that could be changed about my current job to make it as appealing as this other offer, then things would change. And it always made my job better, my position better. And if it wasn't, you know, then they would say, well, you just got to let me know because obviously we have to train someone new or get someone new. But I know that's not always going to be the case. And that might not always be the best advice. Don't talk to your boss if you're thinking about leaving. Um, But I do think it's good to realize that when something else appeals to you, you might just be able to talk to your current job about maybe creating different opportunities or a change in your current job and staying there for a while. Because I think something toxic is that occupational ADD where you have a different job every year and then building a resume that looks like that. No one's going to want to hire you because obviously you get sick of your job and you leave, especially early on in your career, pick something and stay so long as they're not, you know, there isn't anything um, bad going on. They're not, you know, verbally abusing you or like, you know, you feel uncomfortable or unsafe in the job, then leave. There's so many other jobs. But if it's just difficult, you know, and you don't feel like you're the best at it and you're used to feeling pretty good about what you do, like in school, um, it's going to be awkward and uncomfortable and hard. And that's good because you'll grow. Because if it's not challenging, then, you know that's just complacency and you don't want to go there. I 100% agree with that. I think I think part of the the importance of finding a job and finding something that you love is realizing that it's not so you know, I feel like I could have been happy being an accountant. It's it's a frame of <laughs> mind. It's a frame of mind. You have to be happy with your life and you have to make the best of what you have. And sometimes like I I worked at the Ritz-Carlton for six years, five years, something like that. And the first year and a half, I worked directly next to someone who refused to speak to me. You know, it was a really awful working environment with that one person. But everyone else in that kitchen, all 20 other people that worked in that entire food operation were great, you know, well, for the most part. And you can't let one little thing 
deter you from your goal. And I said to myself every day, I said, I want this job. I love this job. I want to move up in this company. I will not let someone like that tell me what is what. And I carried on as best I could. And it was hard on some days. I had a journal eight miles long of things, you know, just <laughs> things that go through your head, you know, that you don't have anywhere else to put, you know. But at the end of the day, who quit? Not me. So there you go. <laughs> Yeah, um, it's, it's tough. Oh, sorry. No, no, that was it. I just, <laughs> I totally relate to everything she says. We had, we had similar careers. So when she says these things, I'm like, oh, I start picturing the faces, you know, the way you're saying it, like, oh yeah, this person made it difficult. This person made it challenging. And this person made me prove to myself that like you just said, you know, I'm stronger and I'm more determined and I'm going to not let these things get in the way of my, my goals and my success. Did you both work in hotels or did you go into restaurants or bakeries? I have done a little bit of everything, but the majority of my experience is in the hotel industry. I did a little bit of um, restaurant as a student. And then I also worked on the line at a hotel. So that's kind of like being in a restaurant, a fine dining line. And then I also did a year or two at like a small bakery but those were really early on in my career. I always knew I wanted to go into hotels ever since my first internship. When I was a sophomore, I just loved it so much. That was always just where I wanted to go. And so I, you know, I kind of beat that path as much as I could. There were, you know, some circumstances, much like what students are going through right now. My career started with 9-11. So I was immediately laid off from my dream job um, right after that happened. And so I did have to spend sort of like a year figuring out like in a different job that I wasn't super passionate about, but it was paying the bills and it was close by and it was convenient um, until I could find my way back into the job that I had lost, which worked out actually quite well. Um, but yeah, I did from basically from two years after graduation all the way until I started teaching, I was a hotel chef, cook, you know, all of the different positions. <laughs> But did you, I mean, I know, I'm sorry off the cuff here, but Susie, did you ever work in the industry before you went to Johnson & Wales? I did not, know because I lived in New Jersey where there is no such thing as a bakery except in a supermarket. <laughs> oh my gosh. There's just nothing out there. I lived in a very, very, very small town. So there was one restaurant and they didn't have their own pastry chef. And so, yeah, no, um, my parents thought I was like, the weirdest freak for wanting to be a pastry chef. They're like, where is this coming from? <laughs> so um, my dad thought I would be stuck in the back of a dirty bakery with, uh, you know, a lot of people who didn't speak my language. This was just what he thought. And it took him a good two years. I won a cake competition when I was a junior. No, yeah, a junior. And I think that turned his tune a little bit. It's funny because I, um, I think I forgot about a, a portion of my industry experience because I'm so used to focusing on what happened after Johnson and Wales that I didn't realize until I was talking to one of my students um, that I started while well, I was in art school. And I, I'm sure this kind of led up to why I went to Johnson and Wales and I never even realized it because I, you know, in high school, I waitressed and um, was a like waitress and, and kind of busser, you know, at a local Mediterranean cafe. And I then went into Garmage and I, I totally forgot about this. I worked for um, a country club in Sakana and I worked Garmage and then, you know, I pantry dessert, which means like I took a boxed cake out of the, the box and then put the slice on the, the plate with like the sauce. So really I was doing like appetizers and salads and like cold prep and fruit. And, um, and then I got a job at a Marriott, um, a catering Marriott. It's not a JW. It's called something else Marriott. I can't remember. But again, it was Garmage. And I did all cold prep and salads and, and um, you know, like pasta salads and potato salads and fell in love with white pepper while I was there. Like I had no, I'd never tried white pepper before. And then I put it in everything. Um, and I was doing all savory work until I got into Johnson and Wales, until I decided when I left art school that I wanted to go into Johnson and Wales. Um, and then it turned towards pastry. And I'd forgotten all about that until I was talking to a student and it kind of all came rushing back. My boss at Sakonic Country Club was um, 
Schaefe, Steve Schaefe, who was a culinary instructor at Johnson and Wales. He was. He's not anymore. Oh. He retired. Yep. But yeah. And um, and it's funny because when I was there as a, a garmage day, and I was talking to the people who were there, they said, you know, hey, he teaches at Johnson and Wales. And I was like, oh, that's, you know, in, in Providence, they said, yeah, you should go there. And I was like, well, you know, well, that's a good idea. And when I ended up graduating that next year, I think it was a bug in my ear. And I applied for Johnson Wells. It's so actually the reason I chose it is because when I was doing research, it was the only school that gave you a university recognized degree in science. Um, and it was the only one that referred to it as pastry arts. And that was a big thing for me, that it was acknowledging the science and the art aspect of the pastry degree. But um, yeah, so my apparently my experience started in Garmage. And then it went to um, a European bakery in um, in Lucerne, Switzerland. And it was a third generation bakery. And I did um, baking and chocolate there. I did uh, cakes and tarts and then um, chocolate confections. So the... I never made the batters for the cakes and I never did the overnight, but I did the other two shifts and then restaurant like chef Legal. I did overnight baking restaurant service for three years. I was in fine dining for three years and then a year in banquets. Um, and then, yeah. And then I took a job offer with a chocolate company that was just opening and stayed with them for 15 years. Wow. And Grew the company with them and had a crazy roller coaster career from there because of the competitions and the chef that started it was incredible. He was the corporate pastry chef for Ritz for 15 years and he opened all the Ritz Carltons worldwide and trained all their pastry staff and started the company. Um, and he was based at Ritz Carlton Naples where I took my fine dining job and that's how I met him. And then, yeah, from there on. Until I left for Johnson and Wales, which was very emotional departure from the company. But he was um, very supportive because he wanted me to be able to grow like I knew I would coming and working with 35 other amazing pastry chefs at Johnson and Wales. I have a question for you guys, actually. So I know you talk a lot about working in restaurants and hotels and how crazy the hours are. So I was wondering like what advice you would give to students to, like for like balancing like work with family life, especially as you like get older and like want to start a family and stuff like what don't would be <laughs> <laughs> enjoy it. Enjoy it. Don't 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 overthink it. I enjoy think, it. Yeah, I think what Chef Matheny said, I think when you're young and I, I think you just need to do what makes you happy. And if, if for me, working made me happy, it made me happy. Like I wanted to go every day. I did not not want to go. Yes, I was tired. Yes, there were days where I was like, I don't want to stay late, but I know I'm gonna. And there were days where I would have to, you know, come home at two in the morning and get up at eight. And I didn't want to at that moment. But it, it was never a, I don't want to every day of my career. It was I, I don't want to write this day, but I'll be fine in an hour. Um, and what I always notice about work, and I think I think it's like very similar to like what people feel about exercise. It's like, it's hard to get there, but once you're there, it's great. And so for me, I always felt like every day that I worked flew by, I enjoyed myself. I had a great time. I learned a lot. I was able to show my skills and I was able to learn new skills and I loved every second of it. If it's not something you love, then maybe you need to start rethinking why you chose the path in the first place. Um, not every job you get is going to be that nuts. Not every hotel is like that. When I was a cook, there were times of the year where I was not allowed to work past 40 hours. So I was working a normal eight hour shift and then I would go home. And there were also times where we were having approved overtime where you were scheduled for six days a week. And if you're working in a good hotel company, you're going to get compensated for that. So the amount of money you rake in getting paid time and a half is well worth the sacrifice to me anyway, of a month or two of overtime. If it goes beyond a month or two, because it's, you know, maybe you're, you know, um, always understaffed. Maybe the hotel is really just not hiring the people they need. 
that's that's always something that you know after a while you can make a decision and say you know maybe this isn't the best company to be working for because they're really not caring for their staff the way they should but no hotel company is going to want to pay time and a half to an employee if they don't have to so they're only doing it when things are crazy when things are busy when it's warranted um so i think that you have to kind of know what you're getting into so i think whatever job you do take you do go after you really need to talk with the people that you're interviewing with and be like what are the hours like what what you know because i think if you have an expectation and you're going into a job that doesn't recognize that then that's not a good match right from the get go but for me i think i loved it i went for it i just worked i'm a workaholic anyway i do it just naturally um so it was it was a perfect fit for me it won't be a perfect fit for everybody and i will honestly say that the reason one of the very large reasons that i stopped working in the hotel industry was was to have a work life balance that i didn't really see myself getting through the job that i had currently and i don't i did not come to johnson and wales to retire I didn't come because I thought oh, this is the end of my career. A lot of people think that's what we do as chefs is we come here to like slow down. I came here to regroup and I came here to pursue other avenues that would be for me to to increase my level of pastry and to increase my my diversity in pastry. So I think that there will be times where you'll want to have that job that gives you that 60 hours a week or more. but then there will also be times where you want something a little bit less but i don't think it's because you don't you have less passion you have less drive i think it's because you have a different interest did that answer the question at all <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah well, i it, i think that um our industry gets a bad rap i have to admit that i don't think it's any different than any other industry to be completely honest yeah. because all of my friends that work in all sorts of crazy avenues they all work crazy hours sometimes and not crazy hours the other and i feel like it's too stereotypical that and and i feel like people a lot of times students have to argue with their parents even to support these degrees because they feel like they're going to be and I, and forgive me i'm such a visual person um a like unhealthy pale sweaty overweight person in a back of a kitchen with a dirty malfitted apron and gross uniform working all these hours like smoking and like drinking and not sleeping and and they like get this idea of this person like kind of trolled away in a kitchen and like unhealthy and working minimum wage for their entire life you know so they're like they always say to me i don't want to be 80 years old with bad knees and like completely unhealthy working this like you know 80 hour week and it's it's just not what the industry is there's this terrible stigma about that and none of my friends look like that <laughs> none of them and none of them are 80 years old with bad knees and like still working minimum wage in like this greasy spoon somewhere off a highway it's just not what it is um pastry i can only speak to pastry but my husband's a savory chef so i can speak to that too um none of our friends are like that you know they all have such a variety of options and and yeah there's going to be times where you work crazy amount of hours but like chef legal i wanted it any minute i wasn't in that job i was at a bookstore reading cooking books and taking notes and taking pictures and and getting magazines and cutting things out and pasting them into scrapbooks to get new ideas for the new menu coming up next week or the new tea menu or lobbies or vip show pieces and decor i mean i was just thrilled and in love with the industry so i couldn't get enough i mean yeah it was your team it was your life and i loved You're it also talking I, to two people who are still in that industry so yeah. it's like you know <laughs> yeah. maybe and interviewing someone who got out after 10 years who was he was retired yeah who's retired and done but and like chef legal said um and like chef hoss told me when i met her before i came to jwu um it's a new wave of instruction now i mean the instructors that are coming to johnson and wales in the last 5 years or 6 years um <laughs> are all yeah are 10 are <laughs> younger and eager and passionate and like full of fire 
and wanting to change and evolve and teach you guys what's happening now. And they're still very much in the industry and very much pushing themselves in the same way we're pushing you guys. So, um, yeah, I don't think the fear of working that balance is a valid fear right now because you know what? When you get to that crossroad and you decide you want to have kids, I had both of my kids in the industry and I was pregnant with both of them. With my daughter, I went into labor driving to work. So, you know, like I called and went, you know what, guys, I think I'm having contractions. And my partner said, you know what, why don't you not come in today? You know, like maybe you should stay home. Um, and yeah, it was, it went, I had her that night and my son, I worked up until my due date and they were so freaked out because he was so big. He was like a 10 pound baby. Um, that they didn't want me to come into work. They were like, you know what? You're going to stay home now. It's your due date. Like you could go any minute. So why don't you stay home? And that was like the longest four days of my life. <laughs> I was home before I had my son. I cleaned the garage. I scrubbed the floor. So it was like, I couldn't, you know, I couldn't not be there and be doing it. Cause I loved it. So yeah, I, I don't think that's something anyone should be worried about because when that comes a time to choose, or change the balance, there are going to be other opportunities that fit that. Yeah, that, yeah, definitely. Um, I think we have time for one more question. Uh, let's see. Is there something uh, both of you still struggle with today? It can be a, like, technique or, like, a physical, like, some, maybe, like, a cake or something or uh, just anything. <laughs> Oh, don't laugh, Chef Legal. <laughs> you had to say cake. No, it's hard because I think that it's. Of course, of course, there are there are skills that I am currently having to teach my seniors that I have not done yet, and that is always a little weird, you know. Like I'm like they're like, how do you pipe on a turntable? I'm like, I, I don't know. We're going to try it right now. <laughs> like I've never done it and not for lack of trying. It just never comes up, you know? So I think that is always a little bit of a struggle for me is that I am, I'm a very like person. So for me to be creative and like think of new ideas or like come up with new designs, I work hard at that. Like people are like, oh, you're so creative. I'm like, no, I'm not, I have to work for it. You know, so I think for me that that's always like a struggle is, is, um, is sort of reconciling that with the, the level of students that I sometimes teach. Like I'm teaching seniors who are, who are already, there. some of them are already like super creative and they're just like coming up with stuff. And I'm like, wow, that's impressive. You know, but um, for me, it's like it's a it's more of a process that I have to go through. Um, so there's always that struggle with just making sure that I can add to someone's education. And um, I think I can. And I think what I what I lack in like maybe creation or technical skill, I make up for in like sort of, you know, attitude and like, you know, Flare, no flare. I don't know, whatever it is, little <laughs> whatever it is. But um, but you know, there's always going to be that little bit of like learning that's happening while I'm teaching, and I think that that's really exciting. But it's also it can also be kind of scary. So, uh, I I would say I think of that in two different ways. One, that double back Quinell. The Chef Schick and Chef Haas double back oh, yeah. Quinell. Because I learned industry style Quinell where it was like I had one shot, one scoop, plop, it goes on the plate, and then 2,000 plates are going to go whisking by me, and I need to get a good Quinell on every single one before it gets sucked away for them to put whatever, the twill or the broccolini or whatever the heck was going on that plate. Um, so I would do like reach into that boiling hot water. Like it was a pot of boiling water on an induction in front of us. We would have to reach our hand into the boiling water to grab the spoon and do one quenelle and throw it in there and then grab a new spoon and one quenelle that like, I have time to do a perfect quenelle quenelle that I struggle. I'm that's one of my personal goals is like, I'm going to get that quenelle down. And thankfully I'll be teaching plated, next semester so i'm gonna get that quinell down but <laughs> that's my goal next semester is to get that quinell like on point um yeah that's something i struggle with and i would say the only thing i professionally struggle with is i can get right up to the edge of a cliff 
I can get all everything ready to sign up for that competition or tackle that new class or, you know, do that scary thing. I can get right to the edge, but I always need someone to kick me off, like right at that edge. I need someone I to really force me to do it. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and once I'm there, once I'm free falling, I'm good and I'll, and I'll make it happen and I'll commit the time and everything. But I always have, and I've noticed this is a re repeating theme with me is I always get right to that edge and want to do it. And I need someone, a good friend, someone I trust, someone I respect, someone I care about to just say, do it. Like just, I need somebody else to do that, to make me push that switch, to send that application, to, to commit to that, whatever. Um, yeah. To push me out of my comfort zone. But once I do it, I'm thankful and I love it. And I never look back and it's a great experience, but I've noticed that I do need that one tiny little bit of support and push. Yeah, I I think I'm the same too. I just need someone to just, just tell me to just do it. <laughs> or force you even better. Yeah. <laughs> Take it out of your hand and put it in the mail, send the application exactly. for you. Or say, there's no choice, you're doing this, you know? Yep. And you go, okay, that's fine. You're not upset about it, but otherwise I would have just kind of hung there. <laughs> okay well thank you so much for taking the time out of your nights to uh talk with us for our first podcast um obviously you know as you probably listened you both are very busy uh busy woman <laughs> um but yes we want to just thank everyone for listening to this podcast you can follow us um, on Instagram at jwoopbdpac, um, or on our Facebook at JWU Providence Pastry Arts Club. Um, and thank you so much for listening. Thank you to Chef Legal, Chef Matheny, for coming on and talking with us. And we'll see you soon. Great. <laughs> right. Thank you. Be a whisk taker. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Thank Thanks. You. Thank you so much to the Jaywoo Pastry Arts Club. We are so excited to have you on for a new podcast show. We would also like to thank all of our sponsors, such as Sin Desserts, Granny Squibs, Hungry Ghost Press, Small Point Cafe. You guys are such great people for wanting to sponsor a student-run radio station and I am just so excited for everything that is to come and so much more from this podcast. Uh, we hope you enjoy and we hope that you stay tuned to hear some more. All right, keep it real.